Welcome back to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. And I'm saying back specifically because I know if you listen to this show once, you are listening it to it forever, laddie. Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm realizing as I introduce the show? Is this is going to be the first episode where everything you say is not going to be like off, like reflecting off a wall into yes, a mic. It's, it's not going to be, I'll be bouncing echoey into someone else's microphone. Yeah. In fact, I refuse to give myself a mic on this show, even though it would help tremendously. It would. It would. <laughs> I love that. I have, we've talked about that several times. This must be, dare I say, jarring for the listener to hear mm-hmm. you through in such a clear way to hear your beautiful voice. Uh, through well, microphone. Uh, let me help them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, suck on that, listener. Yeah, now we're combative with our listener. <laughs> okay, cool. Great intro. Uh, welcome back to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. If you've never listened to this show, uh, this is a podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, have a friend on the show to talk about a video game that is special to them and why. We talk uh, not only uh, what about what makes the game special, special to them what was like great about the game the things that make it interesting but also what was interesting about the context around when they played who they played it with uh love hearing stories about that and people's connections to games which is the whole reason why i'm doing the show um so that's basically what we're getting into today um you've already heard our guest which finally it's happening everybody the whole world has been eagerly anticipating the day where he steps out from behind the producer's cage, as I'm going to call it, <laughs> and in front of the guest mic. But I'd like to welcome to the show our guest for today, Jeremy Michael DeLorean Schmidt. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Connor <laughs> Eleanor McCabe. Thank you so much. That's, and uh, to the listener, you're welcome. You're you so finally welcome. got me, baby. There we are. We've it's a this is a true treat. So thanks so much for doing the show, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm very happy to do it. You know, when you came to me with the concept of the show, I thought it was such a good idea. I thought it was so fun, and you know, we've done at, at the point of at, as of this recording, I think we've recorded about 17, 18 episodes yeah. of the show, which that means we've been doing for about eighteen weeks. That's about you know that's almost that's three like, four months. Yeah, that's well, that's like creeping up on five. Yeah, if there's like most of the time four four and a half weeks in a month yeah. yeah and i think that the show has had tremendous success within our community of comedians right? and, and friends and stuff and i you know i'm happy to be a part of it well thank you very much yeah. i appreciate that that you saying how many weeks and episodes we've done on this show made me think i wonder how many hours between this and video games a comedy show the show that jeremy famously produces and hosts uh i wonder how many hours we've spent sitting with each other on mic yeah uh, we've spent a a tremendous tremendous is my word of the podcast by the way it is tremendous though yeah we we spent a tremendous amount of time i mean if you count all the hours we've spent on my show doing like space solace episodes oh my goodness yeah, so those, many. Those apps get long. They get long and sweaty. Yeah, they do, but yeah, it's fun. I was trying to convince my girlfriend that this room we're sitting in doesn't smell like dudes whenever <laughs> everyone leaves. And she was like, how are you trying to convince me of that? I go in there. It yeah. smells like a wall of feet. Great. Crap. I've never thought about that because we're probably, it's like when you're around a smell a lot, you yeah. don't notice it. Shoot. I got to think about that when bringing guests. We love video games, Connor. Have you ever talked about why you love video games on the show? Not on this show. I think we like kind of got into it when we did the Connor McCabe episode on your podcast, which I had like such a shitty, not even thought out answer. I was like, oh, it's fun. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, one, video games are like a really great 
escape and mm-hmm. I love that but I also love just like being in a character shoes uh exploring a world like walking around accomplishing something mm-hmm. too which playing video games is an accomplishment but like uh getting through a story winning a battle catching a pokemon all that stuff is kissing a maiden kissing a maiden <laughs> that's that's part of my real life um and also i love something that i've learned that i've realized recently that i love about games are like the writing and the humor and the and like the dialogue and stuff so yeah that's probably why for me thanks for thanks for turning the tables on me buddy oh sorry uh why do you i mean let me i'll also introduce you if you don't know who if somehow you don't know who jeremy is or you've listened to my show and you know he's the producer and and uh, echoey voice on the show to give you a little better idea of Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Schmidt is a writer, comedian, and podcast jack of all trades living in Los Angeles, California. He writes for the mod team Jumpman at the UCB Theater, produces a number of podcasts, including Stories But Shorter, and is a wonderful dog dad to Lily. Yeah, thank you for bringing Lily into You're this. You're so welcome. I mean, Lily's been brought into the show before, mm-hmm. so it was only Literally, three. she sits in this room an, on a number of occasions. Yeah, maybe a third of the episodes. Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into like your, before we get in and talk about the game for this episode, which is Final Fantasy VII, originally on the PlayStation. Let's get into your history with video games. I've got a loose idea, but mm-hmm. take me down that road, buddy. How did you get into video games, yeah. and how did we get here? I don't care how long it takes us. Let's get through it. Yeah. Um, video games, to me, are... Um, you know, I don't remember a time before video games were in my life. I, one of my earliest memories is watching my mom play Super Mario World Whoa. on a Super Nintendo on our old CRT TV back in our mobile home park in East L.A. Wow. Where, where in East L.A. were you? Uh, like Heights? It was called like Harbor City. Okay, was the name of it. And I've re- I've also been told at some point it wasn't East LA, mm. even though my dad described it as East LA for <laughs> me forever. But it was it was a pretty like the mobile home park I lived in was like gated and mm. like nice, quote unquote sure. nice. But it was like an overall shitty area. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think for a lot of people it's not a stretch to say that if you could be living in a place, uh, the a mobile home park, even if it's like pretty solid, it's it's equivalent out here to like apartment living yeah except it's a little stranger because you actually have little plots of land and stuff like we had a backyard yeah which was whoa weird yeah cool and like the places looked nice Mm -hmm. you know and it's like all of my early childhood memories are there yeah just like less space too just like yeah in your home yeah and like and like uh going to a friend's house was so much of a shorter walk oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> I mean, tr- literally around the corner. Yeah, like literally like four trailers down is like way less time than four houses away. <laughs> it's true. By a whole five seconds. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I remember playing video games very early on. I I, I remember watching my mom play before I could even play them. Yeah. Like I remember it. my mom being like, here, you want to try? And me being like, like, this is so hard. Yeah. Like, thinking, oh my gosh, this is so hard. But yeah, I have a lot of formative memories that are that surround video games. I I never even considered it growing up that it that it was like different or that other people weren't playing video games. In my world, it was just there were video games, there yeah. were action figures, there were your best friends, yeah. and then you know there was you know school you had to do. Yeah, 
So later I would move to Texas and I spent like 20 years in Texas mm. or no, that's way too long. No, maybe it's not that long. Okay. Yeah. Maybe like 15, 16 years in okay. Texas before I moved back out to Los Angeles. And in that time, you know, I dipped in and out of video games. I would say that I haven't always loved video games. Like yeah. there was a time in high school around the time when I started dating, when I pretty much just forgot about video games. I remember I just like gave my PS2, my Xbox just away to my friend. Oh, wow. And like generous, but what a fool. I know I, I was, I was a, I was a fool, but I didn't play for like 10 years. Like wow. I, I didn't, I, so I missed the entire, uh, Xbox 360, basically the end of the original Xbox into the Xbox 360. I missed like that whole kind of like middle generation. That's a big old drought. Yeah. I came back for, uh, like the late Wii and late yeah. PS3. And then from there, I kind of have just been steadily like playing games, mm -hmm. you know, as an adult. And at some point, I I can't remember what it was. I think I was just laughing in the car thinking about like a group of adults talking about all of Mario's different hats, <laughs> and but like very seriously yeah. discussing it. And I thought that was so funny. Yeah. That like adults would get together and seriously talk seriously discuss, discuss yeah like the writing in a bioshock game as if it was a book club or something yeah and i thought that just concept was so funny so i started like thinking like what would a podcast be like and and i would say that was the that was my biggest mistake <laughs> because it led me to what is now going to be i predict a lifetime of collecting games mm -hmm. being so into video games it's like disgusting yeah. and it's so interesting because we've had i had a similar thing happen to me which was your fault uh <laughs> after i started doing your I feel show like I've also infected at least a group of seven other individuals into basically a a full-time hobby you definitely have i mean i feel like everyone who does your show uh, at least in our circle of friends has all their video game i don't know enjoyment like their time spent with it that their love for games their addiction really has right. only grown right um at least that's at least i'm assuming for everybody i mean because like partly like we, we've talked about this on the show before maybe your show but there is part of, at least me, when I started doing the show, I was like, well, if I'm going to go on the show and talk about video games, I want to be well-informed, I want to be playing games, and I just, and then for whatever reason, it wasn't like something clicked and suddenly I was like collecting heavy and like reading and watching heavy. It was just like a slippery slope that suddenly I like woke up one day and realized that I was surrounded yeah, by video games. That stuff. you had just spent five hundred dollars in <laughs> Super Nintendo cartridges. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, I, I I totally think that it would be comparable to like if I if I had a podcast about the Dodgers. Yeah. And I just got everyone into. Dodgers like merchandise yeah. and, and watching. Game. I mean, I will say that's a kind of a bad example because that's seasonal, whereas video games is literally all the time. And yeah. then back thirty years, like you True. can collect for. But like, I guess with sports, it's like you can read and watch and watch documentaries, and like you could technically look up old games, but it doesn't yeah. feel like the same because you're yeah. interacting with it. It's like it's kind of a specific hobby, a specific thing yeah. to get into. I think, though, that it is comparable to, like, if you move to a new city and you started making all new friends, like, if you move to Seattle and everyone's a Seahawks fan, you just start getting into the Seahawks. I yeah. think that's kind of how it's worked yeah. for most of us. But me and you have got bitten by a particular bug, which yeah. is going onto eBay, going onto Facebook Marketplace, oh, going onto Etsy. Conveniently stopping by... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
game realms or world. Yes. I mean, I yeah. literally that happened to me this week. So first off, I wouldn't have guessed that your podcast would be the one that's the most sports heavy. <laughs> this episode, we've already talked about the Dodgers, Dodgers and the, the Seahawks, Seahawks. <laughs> and and we're about to talk about the batting cages in Burbank. Oh, I can't wait! I'm I, a huge batting cage f- fan. Oh, you are. Well, I've got. It's a, place a video for game you. for your arms. It is. It really is. Yeah, I love that's how you look at it. <laughs> Um, I mean, I was at a like at the batting cages, like I told you this week, which I was a little disappointed. It actually wasn't a really great experience. But oh, as I pulled up, I was I looked across the street and there was game realm. So I was. Did like, you well, loosen up your hips? I loosened those puppies up. You gotta stri- grease them hips. I greased the hips. I stretched my arms, uh, and I spent twenty dollars on a hundred pitches in a batting cage. How many did you crank? Uh, very few. I like went into the and then two- how and then tell me how many balls you hit. Hey, my guy. I was terrible. Like, and I'm, I, it was, I went in to this batting cage mm-hmm. and I put it on, I wasn't in the fastest one, but I put it on 70 miles per hour, which really isn't that fast in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but because you can't see where the pitch is coming from because it just shoots out of this little hole. Some cages are really good about giving you like a visual indicator of like, like a pitcher's arm when something's coming up. Yeah. But this was truly, it would like, the ball would just show up. So, that's me making an excuse for sucking. So I put it down to 50 miles per hour, and then I can actually hit the ball. That is a, that is yeah. that does suck about batting cages where, like, if it's not in perfect rhythm, if, like, if you can't tell when the ball's coming, then yeah. it is, it's not, like, a, it isn't perfectly replicating what it would be like to be thrown a ball by a human. True, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yep. So that was, uh, so that was my tangent yeah, about, yeah. uh, about sports. But what I love games. about that is yeah. I, I, I do want to go to the batting cages at some point. Oh, that would be and, fun. And crank some out. Let's um, go to so not if, the one I went to. Yeah. If you are going to go again, you know, let me know if I'm free. I'll, yes. I, I, I might want to jump on unless, uh, unless you're doing it with like serious baseball. I know you play serious oh. baseball out here, so I don't want to. Um, first off, thank cramp you for, your serious style. Thank you for spreading that information around. <laughs> Everyone should know I'm a baseball player. Uh, but Let's. L was telling me there's a really good one in a cool one that was like well maintained in Koreatown. Yeah, so we should try that one. You know, out. a lot of those bank cages also are connected to arcades too. So the, I actually, when I was there, there were a bunch of arcade machines. They were all like definitely not plugged in, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like a graveyard. It was a little mm-hmm. sad, and, and the, they kind of look gross too, like sticky did. and stuff. Yeah. Even this, I don't mean to disparage this place. Uh, <laughs> like I don't. I'm not even going to say the you're name. You're so sweet that a nondescript place, you're too afraid uh, to hurt I am, its feelings. I am. Uh, but now that I've said it's by Game Realms, people are going to figure it out. Um, even like a snack bar is like some kid came in and talked to the employee there and he was like, hey, can I get something from there? Or is it? It's closed on Tuesdays. And the guy was like, yeah, it's closed on Tuesdays. So the snack bar is not even I open. love that. It was so funny. I love that. Yeah. Did you ever work at a snack bar when you were a kid? No, I did that at a baseball field, and it really is weird because it's like they can just open whenever somebody wants to start working there. Wow, that's so fun! You yeah, if you could get just a chill key in to there. the door, and then it's like, man, well, we got a bunch of shit here. I guess yeah. I can sell it. Although I never worked at one, but I am a sucker for like a ballpark hot dog, even oh, at a li- like. Dude. Growing up playing baseball, love that I've made this a podcast about me and baseball. <laughs> who um, would have thought? Well, you thought? know, I played baseball in high school, so like I'm, really? I'm also a fan of baseball. Here, yeah. we, here we are. Yeah, and I love going to Dodger games, and I love any baseball game, really. We I didn't it, like going to Ranger games in Texas, because that is hot as fuck. Yeah. Like, it was so hot. You went to the ballpark in Arlington? That's so cool. Yeah. Um, Remember we ran into each other 
at that Dodgers game yes. in 2018. Yes. Funny, I forgot. I was thinking about this the other day. I meant to tell you the wedding I was going to when we did the episode with Nick, the mm-hmm. hot takes episode like two weeks ago. Yeah. That the the wedding I was going to was for the guy, for the couple whose birthday I was at when I oh, ran into each other. that's crazy. You, and yeah. Jackie. And it was that's like. That's nuts. And I think I had just seen you in New York, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But uh, let's talk some baseball later. That would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um. Cool. So you, <laughs> wow, we really got, oh, so <laughs> now I know where we are. You talked about getting into your pot, into the podcast and that's just been like, a, yeah. now you're just a full It was on born addict. out of like a, it, like doing a podcast about video games was, I wasn't even a huge video game fan at that point. Yeah. I was just casually playing games. Yeah. I thought it was so funny to do one and then started doing it. And then it like, it flipped on me I love where it. now I find myself <laughs> getting teared up and we're talking about <laughs> the third act of, you know, uh, the bloody roar Two campaign. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, how did I get here? You are truly the like Chris Evans character in a high school movie where you're like dating the nerdy girl mm-hmm, as a, a like, mm-hmm. as like a joke or as like a, like an act, but then you yeah. really fall in love with her. By the way, you know, a quick uh, sketch pitch. Yes. What about it's like the nerdy girl taking off the glasses yes. moment where they become beautiful, except it's Cyclops and then <laughs> zaps them. That's pretty. That's good. a blackout sketch. That's a blackout. Yeah, there we are. are. There we go. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, and now we th- now we just think <laughs> we're full on games journalists at this point. <laughs> it, it's really true, be- and because I watch so much and read so much mm-hmm. games journalism, I feel like even the podcasts I listen to, shamefully so, have almost all been taken over by video game related stuff. Yeah. Comedy, which is arguably the thing I care most about in life. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to comedy podcasts, really. Oh, yeah. I also, don't at all. they're boring and suck. Yeah, I don't like a lot. I do like the... I don't listen to it really anymore, but I used to listen to a ton of The Meat that Jake oh. Jabor and Josh do. I should give that one a shot. Is that good? I think it was really yeah. good when I was listening to it. Handbook. Um, Hollywood Handbook was my favorite that one's good uh, i've also i've never gotten into improv for humans uh i've tried it a few times even I've, comedy bang bang which i used to love yeah. it's arguably why i moved out here wow was because i was such a fan i was like and all these people live in la dang um you know because back th- back when i was listening to comedy bang bang in texas it was like harris whittles paul rust neil campbell oh um you know all uh uh tim heidecker gosh uh i'm trying to name not a white not guy. a white guy yeah uh <laughs> good luck buddy fuck uh horatio sands okay now i go and i'll see um oh chelsea Pretty. there we go yeah cool you you did it buddy you met your quota i'm a oh boy uh well that's so funny and that's that's really cool now yeah now we play now we look forward to every release we're texting in our text thread uh yeah. like when we do or don't hear things from video game companies yeah. um yeah it's pretty cool i do like it i i will say this about about buying video games and collecting them is as a comedian and i'm sure anyone who's listening to this who is a comedian will relate to this it's really hard to let yourself off the hook a lot a lot of times you feel the overwhelming anxiety and pressure to always be working as a writer you're kind of always on duty you're always Mm -hmm. on call you could always be writing yeah you could always be performing really if you look at the indie scene and how many opportunities there are you could always be on stage um so i think that if it's not video games maybe it's trying new restaurants maybe it's um going to see movies maybe it's finding another thing that you love and pouring a little bit of time and investing into that, it makes you feel so much more human yeah, and so much more grounded. Mm-hmm. Like I think about how I was living when I first moved out here versus like going over to your new place yeah. and just seeing how domesticated you look and how domesticated I feel now. Yeah. 
And I think it's really important as comedians to find something that you love and it's not the thing that you're passionate about that you're trying to succeed at and sharing some time with that. Yeah. It could even be like friendships going out drinking. Like that's fine too. But I think that video games for me are an outlet where I get to, I feel human. I feel normal. Yeah. Because everyone, you know, Joe Schmo can play a video game over here. Detective Joe Schmo. Detective Joe Schmo. (laughs) Uh, You know, and so it it allows me to take breaks and let myself off the hook and feel, and also feel accomplished while doing it. Yeah. That, that's a really, I don't know if I would call what you said uh, profound, but I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, Thank you for not giving me too much credit there. Yeah, not about to do that today, buddy. I'm going (laughs) to knock you down a peg anytime I can. But I, but I totally agree, and I think I, as I've done that a little bit in my own life, uh, I've seen I've seen the rewards that I've sown. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I totally agree with you. Um, well, that's really cool. Uh, and feel free to share as we go out throughout the show anything else, any other anecdotes uh, about like your history with games. That was uh, it. Perfect. Good. We did it all. All right. Well, let's jump into the discussion about the game that we uh, came here to discuss today and whatever it leads to. Uh, Final Fantasy VII. Um, before we get into your history with the game, I'm going to share some guest hist- or some game history and context. Uh, and you feel free to jump in whenever you want. Um, just in case you're, you're a listener out there, you're not familiar with the game, which I'd be surprised. It's one of the most famous games of all time. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is a JRPG developed by Square and originally released on the PlayStation as the seventh main installment in the Final Fantasy series. Uh, it is considered to be one of the greatest video games of all time and is most often, as I have found, ranked in the top two games in the series. The other one that will also get the top slot is usually Final Fantasy VI, which is funny. It's those two back-to-back. Very different games, but... Uh, both totally adored. Uh, it was directed by Yoshinori Kitase and produced by longtime Final Fantasy director Hironobu Sakaguchi. The lead artists were Yasuke Nora and Tetsuya Nomura, mm. and the music was composed by Nobuo Uematsu. And it's a fairly traditional turn-based RPG adventure with a few tweaks that we might get into. Um, a little bit about the story is that the game follows Cloud Strife. He's the very handsome, slender, blonde man with the giant with his giant sword, the Buster Sword. Um, who is a, and Cloud is a mercenary who joins an e- the eco-terrorist group Avalanche to stop Shinra, which is a mega corporation attempting to use the planet's life source, at, life force, excuse me, as an energy source. Eventually, Cloud and his allies, including Barrett, Tifa, and Aerith, or Aeris, however you want to say it, uh, find themselves in pursuit of a superhuman named Sephiroth, who continues to wound the planet by stealing its power in order to be reborn as a demigod. Were you going to share anything? No, this okay. is great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. Uh, that's great. all I have for the game history and context. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into more of it as we like go along in the show discussion, but let's jump right in. Uh, what's your history with game? When did you first get this game when did you first play this game do you remember when you heard of it uh tell me buddy yeah it, well i mean it's it released in 1997 so my memory is going to be a little spotty on when all this stuff happened and what, uh, what came first unacceptable well i mean i'm just gonna say like that was at this point over 20 years yeah. ago Ugh. and Zoinks. uh <laughs> Zoinks. yeah but i will say this they Sony and Square 
put i mean i guess square like what they they had like a a, a multi-million dollar ad campaign for final fantasy 7 yeah so you saw these commercials all over the fucking place i mean they were they were running constantly and if you were watching the commercials of this game i mean um yeah i'm sure you can get on youtube and pull them up now it it looks like stunningly gorgeous and phenomenal to the point where it also makes it look like kind of an action game, which it's yeah. not is mm-hmm. it is a slow JRPG, uh, which I think most people who were expecting an action game were like slightly disappointed, but then forgave it very quickly because at the time it was kind of the best looking game and was the best looking game for until the PS2 era came, yeah. came in. Um, I mean, ar- arguably like metal gear solid and yeah. stuff might've looked better, but they didn't have FMV sequences, which were full motion video sequences. Mm-hmm. And that sort of like boosted the Final Fantasies on the PlayStation one to where they like really like jaw dropping animations. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, for those who don't know, a full motion video is a cut scene. It's basically like you're playing the game and it looks like one graphical style. And then it like will cut and it'll show you like a high resolution, high poly like... Uh, version of all of your characters all hanging out and doing action stuff and it, it it's almost like a, a reward for crossing some sort of threshold in the game so for example you beat disc one and you get this very long cool fmv sequence that shows you you know a big part of the story mm-hmm. and then um and yeah i i remember going to a friend's house and he had this uncle who was maybe 16 years old at the time. Whoa. And of course, 16 year old uncle. And you're like 11, 10 or 11. That's like the coolest guy in the world. Yeah. Right. That's the coolest (laughs) guy in the world. Yeah. The only thing cooler than a normal uncle is if he's close to your age. Yeah. 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 And he would always bring home like to his nephew's house, like the coolest video games that we weren't allowed to play. Like I remember him bringing Resident Evil one and two over and uh, Final Fantasy seven was one of them. And I just remember, I'll I'll never forget him playing the sequence where you get Sid Mm. in disc one and me just like, like, cause in that battle with Palmer, I think is the boss Mm -hmm. in the, in rocket town. And then the ship and like the rocket kind of, goes up and then it crashes and then everyone's on that little like biplane and, and it gets shot down by Shinra and then you end up in like the little the water. water. Yeah. yeah. I remember watching all that just being like, what the fuck? Cause like at home I have a Nintendo 64. Yeah. <laughs> which has GoldenEye and has Mario, mm-hmm. which is cool, but it doesn't look like this. No, not at all. And so I was just, I was blown away by, by how stunning the graphics were. And I remember like the story was intriguing too. Like I hadn't really seen a game that told a story. Yeah. Cause if you were playing like Mega Man X or super Mario world, there was like a light hint of like a story in the background, but they weren't really telling you a story. Now I didn't play final fantasy two or three for the SNES. Hmm. I didn't play super Mario. I mean, I, maybe I did play super Mario RPG, but that's barely a story. Like yeah. I didn't play games that had, clear good story so i wasn't i wasn't accustomed to that so when i saw a story being represented on screen that i could read i was like i would go home and i remember i didn't have a playstation i would just write out what i thought the story was on a piece of paper i would just like maybe it's this and then cloud does this and then and and i would like i would dream about what i thought the story was and resident evil was very similar too, where I would also kind of guess and what I thought what things were and stuff. How did the zombies happen? 
And, um, you know, around 1998, so it's like a year after the game's released, we move from California to Texas. And I think just out of like seeing how brokenhearted and like a depressed their 11 year old son was, they just, I think for like no holiday, just bought me a PlayStation one. And I remember they bought me final fantasy seven and I, I remember playing it, but they didn't give me a memory card. So I remember oh just playing. Gosh. I would play the whole first disc in like a run on like a PS1. That is insane. And I would leave it on and just turn the TV off and just like go to sleep and wake up and turn the TV back on. And I would like go back to playing it. That is incredible. It's what like dedication. Psycho. It's like psycho. But I, I had no friends. And, you know, 11 was around the time that puberty hit me. So... Dude, nice. Dude, Early. Dude, it was devastating. I was a la- I was a late hitter. Not like late crazy. hitter. I was not crazy late, but I was probably like 12, 13, 21. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if famously on the show, you've heard my voice crack yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm still going through. So we'll see if it ends soon. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, I mean, like, uh, I was like, my, my body was freaking out on me mm-hmm. and I was going through all kinds of emotions that would have been hard if I was still in my same environment with all my friends, but now I had no friends. And I just felt like such a fucking loser. Like, so me playing that game at that time, because I eventually got a memory card like pretty soon after when they figured out what was going on. <laughs> and uh, me, but me playing that game at that time was like one of the most therapeutic things that kind of got me through like, like I would say like a, a really, really tough time. So I equate it with memories of like, escaping into this this whole world when my real world looked pretty grim at yeah. the time. I'll also say it, you know, I'm a writer pretty much by trade like I I'm a I love to write. I write like you said comedy. I always, you know, I want to be a screenwriter. I want to write feature-length films at, at some point and memoir, novel. I mean, I went to college for creative writing all pretty much because of Final Fantasy 7. Like that is where I discovered like wow, like this is where you could take a story and this is what you could do with it. Cause never in my wildest imagination could I have guessed where that story was going to go. Oh and yeah. It kind of, it kind of goes places. It does to the point where, and I, I have admittedly not never finished the game. I've played up until the crazy turning point in the story, Yeah, but I've heard people be like, I like it does take some explaining and it is confusing and doesn't always make sense. Yeah. But that said, it did go places. There are some, there are some things that maybe are, are tough to explain, but it's the things that are easy to explain that really blew my mind. Yeah. Like I'm going to throw out like fight club as Mm -hmm. like an example of a, a type of place that story goes to where, yes, where like you start to realize by disc two that, the character you've been playing as is an unreliable narrator yeah. in his own life. And I had just never seen that in fiction yet, which isn't, I mean, th- that was in books and stuff before and probably movies too, but I don't know. I mean like the sixth sense and fight club were like the two biggest impactful twist endings, quote yeah. unquote. But and the, those are both 1999, I think. And so. if you experience that for the first time with this game, it's still, it's still impactful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah basically you learn that the whole world that you have, th- that he has been telling you is, is, is fact is actually not the truth. Yeah. And you are not the hero. In fact, you might be sort of a villain. And I, I just remember like, that totally blowing my mind and and i remember thinking like that's what i want to do i want to tell like stories that like really captivate and yeah and, um, 
Yeah. I mean, probably because it had like such a profound uh, like impact on you. You're like, I what I just felt like I want to do that for somebody else or not even for somebody else. You're just like, how can I do this same exact thing? Right. Like and, and how much more interesting is this than, you know, the kind of crap that I'm watching day to day, you mm-hmm. know, like whatever you know, television films that were marketed to children at the time. Name so, names. <laughs> I mean, uh, the Ninja Turtle secret of the ooze, yeah. which is, you know, I, I like that. I like that movie ironically yeah. now, but like, you know, you're watching a lot of stuff like that. You're watching a lot of Disney films and stuff. You're not watching like, uh, you know, I'm not watching, you know, stuff by like Cronenberg and yeah. Fincher and, mm-hmm. and, and David Lynch that really like takes narrative to like a different place. Yeah. And I think that, you know, video games, for me anyway, as, as a kid in the PS one era really did that. Like there were a number of games that would then come out in that system's lifetime that like, I think helped develop kids minds into thinking this sort of higher level way about narrative and like where you could take it. Um, stuff that you probably wouldn't engage with until college. If you were only using school as a rubric. Yeah. Huh, that's so interesting. Wow, I didn't realize that this was gonna. This is where this was gonna go. Was the oh. I th- the, the it's it's why you're you creative badly, <laughs> badly. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't see this going so badly. <laughs> I meant it. That's really cool. Um. So, did you do you remember when you were playing this game for the first time? Mm-hmm. Did you like eventually? I mean, you got like you said. You eventually, your parents got you a memory card. Yeah. Do you? I mean, you probably did. You beat it in that time. Did you come back and beat it wh- like years later? No, no. I mean, as soon as I got that thing, I mean, it was like plugging away at it. Here we go. And I, I and I even had a strategy guide for it that I wish oh, I still hung oh. on to, which was a great Prima strategy guide oh. with cloud on the the white cover with cloud on the front. Big old sword. Big old at sword. You. No, no. It's the one where he's looking up at the reactor oh you know? oh yeah with and is like like the cover art that we saw in the it's the cover art for the main for the actual game yes. every character they did they did a bunch of concept art and every character has a portrait where it's their back turned to the camera looking at something oh cool so like red 13 has him standing next to his stone dad oh yeah um yeah Love red 13 yeah vincent has him he's perched on a ledge looking down at nibbleheim and like and uh yeah i think sids is him looking at the rocket yeah that's really cool. Yeah. I remember because I would I would collected those and use them as my Windows 95 backgrounds. Oh, I loved... I mean, that was like a small little satisfactory thing for me growing up was first on my parents' computer and then eventually when I got a computer right. when I was like 13, that was like my big present that year. It was Oof. like I loved that PC. Hell yeah. Um, but was finding like game backgrounds or yeah, baseball dude. backgrounds was like it was such an easy thing change to do. all the icons yeah. to be like frogger <laughs> <laughs> truly i would do all that sort did of you stuff. use winamp to play music to play mp3s i don't know if i used winamp because you could change the skins on those and you bet i had some super saiyan brawlies fucking themes oh, for my winamp i i don't think i used winamp on my friend used napster for a bit um, or Bear Share. Do you remember Bear Share? Because Bear Share was another program like that. Is, is Bear Share a, it was like also a like sharing a, service with between, but you could also play stuff in there? Yes. It also had like a media oh, player. I'm pretty sure. Very cool. Um, I, and speaking of like Dragon Ball Z, yeah. uh, I didn't have any like uh, 
like skins for like my media players. But when AIM chat became like a big thing in junior high and I was using like AOL chat and that sort of thing, I eventually, I remember the first gifts that I ever saw were like these really beautiful, beautifully modeled Dragon Ball Z gifts of like Goku and Vegeta being Super Saiyan, Gohan. Working out. Working, yeah. Just just, doing workouts. Just getting pumped up. Dude, yeah. Well, I mean, and we were kind of talking, I don't know if we're talking about this on the video or not, but the, like the rise of Dragon Ball Z for kids and Toonami. Yes. And the rise of Final Fantasy VII and like, like I would say more adult tier video games Mm kind of happened at the same time, at least in my neck of the woods. And that is a good juxtaposition of like what the kind of fiction I was getting with Dragon Ball Z and Gundam Wing and stuff was like very. Have you watched that show? It's like it's like God, uh, evil thing comes, they all beat the thing. Yeah, evil I've, thing comes again, they all beat the thing. I was I had a pretty heavy DBZ phase yeah. for a while. Well, and so then you know, yeah. it's just very basic. Yeah, not even hero's journey level mm-hmm. like. Gohan fights Cell. Even if someone dies, they come right back to life. Because we got the Dragon Balls. There's we them no back. stakes at all. It's like it's like it's like arguably very bad fiction. Yeah. Um, as compared to you know something you're seeing in like Final Fantasy VII, where it'd be like, who is Yuffie? Yeah. Who is that? Like who? what? You know. Um. So yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The game sucks, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you feel that way at all. Um, You've, and you, I know you said you played it as recently as 2018. Was that the, did you play it on the Switch remaster? Like when they sent those ports out? uh, So before it was, before I think the Switch was even out, it was on PS4, PSN. Oh, okay. So I think they, or it might have been the same year, twenty seventeen. You're right. That yeah, it was probably on that for a while. Yeah, and that and that is the version that is actually the Steam version that mm-hmm. they released, or the iOS version, which has all the hacks where you can like speed everything up and mm-hmm. and be invincible or turn off enemy encounters and yeah. stuff. So I got to play it like, and it's also like HD upres, like line doubled and stuff. So yeah. like it looks like you can put it on your HD TV and looks mm-hmm. good. Um and and I played that one back in 2018 and I played that in FF10 back to back. Whoa, what a two to play back. Yeah, those were like those did feel, uh, even though I didn't play either of those when they came out. Uh, but my friend uh Eddie, I remember when Final Fantasy 10 came out mm-hmm. in 2001. I don't know if it came out either. If it came out before the summer. I remember watching him and his brother play it all summer and like being so amazed by it or it was like 2002 summer. So if it came out in the fall, then same thing. But those both have like a similar, like grandiose epic feel blonde, like protagonist with a sword. And, um, so that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, and they're both such different games, which is so cool. And Mm -hmm. like, uh, for different platforms, obviously too, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I I never beaten ten, so I like played seven, let that lead me into ten. Oh, fun! Finally beat ten. Um, you know, at, at some point in my life, you know, knock on wood, before I'm I die, I will have I will play all of them at all of them at you know, hopefully to completion. Yes, before I croak. Good. Hey, that's very ominous. But I hope for the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I try to do two a year. You know, to knock out two of. Knock. The... Try to knock out two. Okay. A year. Yeah. How have you played this game a bunch of times? I think that in 2018, when I played it again, it was my third 
playthrough of like completely beating it, oh, okay. getting literally everything. Like wow. Gold Chocobo, uh, Knights of the Round. Um, these, these are all like nonsense terms to people who haven't played the game, but True. like they're like the final summons, the final like uh, W materials, mm-hmm. uh, like W summon, W item. Yeah. Do you know what wow. W is where you can use it multiple times? I didn't realize that. So W, okay, so check this out. So oh. not, you know what Knights of the Round is? Yeah. Right? Knights around is like the summon, which is what you can summon this uh, this horde of it's like a whole round table of like King Arthur's court, and mm-hmm. they all come and attack. It's basically Omni Slash. You know what Omni Slash is? Yes. It, that's Cloud's final oh. limit break. It's basically that, but you can equip it with W Summon. Now W just allows you to do the same summon twice. Oh my goodness! But there are like six or seven stars, and every star you get, you get another bonus turn. So you can equip Knights of the Round to W Summon completely maxed out and it'll allow you to do this in one turn to do Knights of the Round like seven or eight times in a row. So that is how you beat things like Ruby Weapon and Emerald Weapon in the game that are like impossible to beat. But that's really cool that this game allows... I feel like this is kind of leading us into like some of the really awesome stuff about the game, but like this game allows that if you can figure out some of the system stuff, kind of like similar to figuring out systems in six, right? If you can figure them out in this, you can not break the game, but you can take it to you can become like a god. I think that breaking these games is a really important element of all Final Mm -hmm. Fantasy games that should be never like they should never be disparaged, yeah, because it's fun to break them. Yeah. Breaking them is fun mm-hmm. to when people found the loophole in final fantasy eight, where the bosses scale with you. Yes. So it's actually better to never encounter <laughs> enemies the whole game. Yeah. So it's to say it like level 10, the whole game yeah. that was like, fuck. Yeah. I'm it's, never fighting again in this game. It's very cool. And it's also like shows that you do have a, a like a higher, I guess you could say like a higher understanding of the game or yeah. you put enough time into the systems and like the materia and that sort of thing to, uh, I mean, you're using your experience to your advantage yeah. instead of just like my, like, like you said, we were talking about in the video portion, just smashing attack through yeah. the whole game. Yeah. No, you are rewarded for your time and your effort for like discovering like the meta of the game. Like, yeah. well, how does this actually work and how does this interact with other enemies and mm-hmm. like, why does it do it? Like, I, and I think like breaking games today are also very fun. There's an entire like, uh, like scene on YouTube and Twitch that is just like breaking Fortnite, breaking yeah. different kinds of games. But to me, I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm old or I have so much f- a fondness of that like 90s generation there's so much less interesting than breaking those games like when people figured out how to like clip through walls in super mario 64 like that's so that's so fun and inventive way more than like how to get infinite ammo in gears of war and then you go find a big snot monster it's like it's like to me more it's cooler to like mess with these older games yeah it's more i don't know um this like i said was kind of leading us into some other stuff i want to talk about for this game uh is there anything about the game that you really want to highlight that you just like loved about playing the game besides i mean we've talked about the story a lot Mm -hmm. i guess is there anything else that you wanted to like really highlight yeah um two things one secrets this game Mm. is full of secrets it's chock full of secrets i will admit there is no reason to put secrets in video games (laughs) other than the joy of discovery Mm. is so profound Mm. and intrinsic to playing video games but there are two like secret characters that you you can 
completely miss and in I, this game. I missed you one of them. You almost missed. And I almost missed the second, <laughs> unless you would have told me. Yeah. In, which was funny. I mean, we're talking about Yuffie and Sid. Right. No, and no, no uh, Yuffie Sid, and Vincent. Vincent. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, see? I really don't know <laughs> yeah. it. But, like, Vincent, when I was, like, I had already been through uh, Nibelheim and, like, that basement and that, mm-hmm. that mansion. Yeah. But I didn't know that was a door. It just looks, and this is part of the, like, goofiness of the art style is that these pre-rendered backgrounds that are just like a painting you can't tell what's a wall what's a door <laughs> yeah the only thing that really <laughs> sticks out are like the character models items and like treasure boxes oh yeah for sure um so i almost missed one of the secret characters and it's totally intentional they want you to miss it because yeah. it's a secret it's cool. uh, Vincent is arguably the coolest slash lamest character in the <laughs> game. He's like literally a vampire. Yeah. He's riding off of the coattails of like interview with a vampire and mm-hmm. like uh I don't know, he's got a lot of matrix energy to him. Oh, so where he's much so matrix. brooding and yeah. so There's like a lot of matrix energy to this game. Yeah. It feels like it predates the matrix, but I think we are just all about that kind of life in the nineties. Yeah. It's definitely. like if we could go to school with long flowing capes on, we would have. <laughs> totally. But, uh, but yeah, so secrets are a big part of it. I think getting these two secret characters was like huge. And that like, if you got them, you could then go on like story quests with them. Mm-hmm. And just that like you doing something, changing the world and the vibe of the game because you did it was really meaningful. Yeah. Anyways. So the second thing I like about Final Fantasy seven <laughs> is, uh, you'll go ahead and cut that for me. I'll, I'll go ahead and cut that for you. Uh, it's the, uh, the weirdness. Yeah. Not every Final Fantasy game I would describe as like weird mm-hmm. or having quirks to it. This game is like disgusting with like bizarreness. Yeah. It is like, it is chock full. It is tremendous. It is. With quirk. For example, one of your, I mean, you get a dog cat slash cat in your party, Red 13. Mm-hmm. So it's like an it's like a, a talking animal. Yeah. And then you get another talking animal in your game. Yeah. She, right? Like so it's like and that's riding a giant ball. There's a casino world you go to in yep. it. Like nothing seem nothing really makes sense. At some point you go to a beach town and you can buy property for no reason in this game. Wow. Um there's also famously this like kind of uh, doesn't age very well sequence in Midgar where you like have to do a lot of work to dress Cloud up like a girl so you can seduce this pervert Don in town. Corneo. Don Corneo. Don yeah. Corneo. So you can seduce him and then rescue your friends. Yeah. Um, and you have to get like the right perfume and dress. Yes. And it's like you have to work out with like some gay guys at mm-hmm. a bar. And it's not done super tastefully. So I'm, you know... I don't know if we mentioned this on the, on the podcast yet, but they're remaking the game for PlayStation 4. Oh, yeah. That's all we talked about on the video portion. <laughs> but I don't... I think that may have yeah. been the first mention. Maybe, I can't, maybe. I can't remember. But yeah, they're remaking it for the PlayStation 4. It looks incredible. There's a demo out as we speak. It just fact, came out two days ago. The game, three days ago. The game might have just came out as of this release of this podcast. Yeah. And so I'm very interested to see how they handle this sequence that is has aged incredibly poorly. But yeah, but I think that it all adds to the charm of it. Whereas like if you look at Final Fantasy six or four, the universe is kind of set mm-hmm. and it kind of everything kind of fits. Final Fantasy seven is like weird. It's like a washing machine in a forest. You're like kind of like, what? I don't understand how 
all these parts fit together. Yes, that's uh, true. It's very. There's a snowboarding mini game in it where yeah. you go snow. You do like a cool borders too for no reason. There are the so game. many mini games yeah. <laughs> in this, and they're so strange. And very few, if any of them, feel like they handle very well. Oh, they're all terrible. Yeah, yeah. you could ride a motorcycle, a submarine, and an airplane. They got like every yeah, like land, Look. sea, and air. Yeah, it's a it's a very strange game a lot of it is at odds with itself so i think that's you know that's something that i would say is actually in the game's favor is that yeah. they kind of don't make them like this anymore it's true uh it was uh it's one of those things that feels like it wouldn't not that it i feel like we've said this before but it wouldn't happen today but truly it is so strange that someone would come in and maybe for good reason give a note that's like hey can we make this be a little more yeah. coherent can we or, streamline this or yeah. or together <laughs> Um, do you have a favorite character in the game? Oh. Or do you like uh have a favorite Yeah, uh like part of the game? Yeah, you know, it's weird. Like when I was a kid it was Vincent cuz I yeah. was I'm an edge lord. <laughs> we know that. But in my last playthrough it was like a tie between Eris and Yuffie because Okay. Eris had like way more personality than I remembered. Eris yeah. is actually a pretty full-fledged character mm-hmm. as opposed to Tifa who ends up being actually very flat mm-hmm. and then yuffie is like this incredibly dynamic like weirdo that if you take her on you know, on your crew she's like a 16 year old girl who like gets sick on the airplane and stuff she's like she's like really it's like a really bizarre she's really bizarre yeah yeah it, it ended up being like some of these other characters that i never really given a chance to like red 13 Who, who's cool. your who's your favorite um you know what? I this on the playthrough that I was doing, I really grew to love Red Thirteen. Yeah, he's cool. My favorite because I have, uh, as I've said a few times, I've only played through up until the big, the big story twist. Yeah. But my favorite part of that so far has been his section, Cosmo Canyon. Cosmo Canyon. That the music, that music is bonkers. Oh, there's the music in this game is so good in general, yeah. but that one in particular, like I can like just jam to a little it's bit. It's so good. I don't even know what I mean when I say jam to. I think when you I mean, hear it, it makes me I think you mean dance your dinger around. I think dance my dinger around. <laughs> That's exactly I, what I meant. Uh, uh, the Red 13 is such a great character and his character is so, is so developed in that chunk of mm-hmm. Cosmo Canyon where he becomes like a child again. Yeah. It's so it's really good. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. Um, well before we uh, move on to like to, to a couple fun segments that you already know what, what the segments are because you produced this show. Um, is there anything else you want to share about the game? Anything you want to wrap up? Any any present day thoughts you want to share? No way. I mean, I think the game is barely worth playing today, unfortunately. it, it like You have to really be a lover of games and mm-hmm. a lover of games of this era to even sort of get what they were going for. Yeah. If you are born of a certain after a certain time, I think it just might be too late. Yeah, it, it it is it is hard. I would say it's even harder than like going back to a Final Fantasy ten or twelve. Mm-hmm. But if you can stomach it, or you have an affinity for old games, or you know, like I'll, I'll play Atari games because I'm a huge fan of video games. Mm-hmm. So if you're like that, then I would say go and play it. Otherwise, you know, wait for the remake and mm-hmm. and then read articles online about what the original was like, <laughs> right? And people's uh, criticisms of the remake because of the original, right? Yeah. Right. That will that'll be fun to see all that. It's stuff going that to happens. turn the internet upside down. Yeah, if we're lucky. If we are. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, that was really wonderful to hear everything from you. Uh, let's jump into some fun stuff. The first one, you know it. We love it. 
It's the Fact Me By Your Game <laughs> yeah. segment. Um, so for this segment, if you've never listened to the show, this is a segment where I literally just say facts about the game to my guest, which is funny because I'm sure I've got a feeling you might even know about a lot of these. It feels weird. It feels It's going to feel weird giving game recommendations to you. No, uh, let please. Alone this. Oh, I hope you got something I've never heard of. I got That'd some be wacky awesome. stuff for you, you some I wacky think. Stuff? Okay, um, or good. just some curveballs for you. Okay, good, good, staying good, on the baseball good. theme. Great, great. Um, the first uh, fact from the Facting By Your Game segment is, did you know that there is a hidden picture of producer Hironobu Sakaguchi in Rocket Town? Uh, n- no, where is it? So there is one of, it's in one of the buildings, uh-huh. uh, in like the top, well, cause you know how like when you go in it's a lot in of It's in Rocket Town? Bu- it's in Rocket Town, in one of the buildings, in like the top side of the building, it's like a, fr- it's just one floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is like a window and like a picture of a guy and something else, and the picture is a very pixelated, uh, <laughs> shot of Hironobu Sakaguchi. Awesome. Yeah. So that so that's a little Easter. That's more of an Easter egg than a fact. If anything, awesome. um, this is also a little bit of an Easter egg. Um, this one is that Kefka somewhat makes an appearance in this game. His laugh. Yes, his laugh. Yeah. So where this, is it? So this is in the golden golden saucer part. There is a large green pumpkin in the ghost square section. Oh yeah. And if you interact with it. It is. It, it plays yeah. a slowed down version of his infamous laugh. And if you don't know, Kefka is the main villain from the previous installment in the series, Final Fantasy. Ah, uh, the court jester. Yes. Oh, he's the real villain, the court jester. Yes, he is. Uh, fa- always compared to the Joker is uh, Kefka. <laughs> Why so serious, Kefka? And that's exactly what he says. Um, this is the last one. This is actually a fact. You may not. I'm thinking you might not know this one. Um. You know, you do know, I'm sure, that uh, at a certain point of the game, if you have gotten Yuffie uh, to be a part of your party and you go to her native town of Wutai, mm-hmm. she'll steal all your party's materia and eventually you can get it back. But did you know that there is a limited amount of materia that she can steal? She has, she can carry up to 48 of the materia from your party. So if you happen to have more than 48 materia, she will collect them in order of valuableness oh valuability so like if valuableness i know i don't even know what the <laughs> right word is there so like if uh you have That's too many cool. she can only collect a certain amount which is just like i a, love how much nonsense this sounds like to anyone who right? hasn't played this game like what the hell even is materia truly that's so that yeah. that is cool so yeah. you could out you could out you could outsmart her a in little a way bit. But yeah you'll probably be left with like a uh, steel or enemy skill or whatever yeah it's stupid also because that's such a cool part of the game that you probably want to do that way exactly um great that's the end of the fact amazing amazing yeah now the last little one before we get on the road uh are the game recommendations because uh for the listener out there um in the movie call me by your name uh the main character elio he he obviously his relationship with army hammer's character ends and in real life uh if you've ever been in a relationship or you know someone who's been in a relationship if you're the one <laughs> if you're the one person out there who hasn't do been you in a know someone who's been in a relationship uh, this is for you uh oftentimes people will either date someone who is uh like eerily similar to the same person they were just with they'll date someone wildly different i wanted to give a few different recommendations what do are, you typically do 
Um, me, well, this is my first, I guess you would call it like serious relationships, uh, relationship. Uh, I think my, uh, I've sprayed all over and spray is a terrible oh, word. I that's, that's not what I meant. Yeah. I meant that I've da- I think I've been into like very different people for the yeah. most part. Um, you, least, you Jake sprayed all over. I did. That's exactly what I did. Is that a, is that a reference to Jake Sprague? Perfect. <laughs> Well, here are your game recommendations. Um, something. So first off, I want to give you something uh, that is different, but that is also uh, an RP an RPG esque game. On whatever the you say next, I'm going to play to completion. All right, here we go. Uh, this is on the PlayStation. This is a game that I chose when we did the space the, the space station okay. the PlayStation Space Solace yep. for mm-hmm. uh, the video games and comedy this show. Is my next couple weeks. Right this here. is Vagrant Story. Oh! So at least a good game. You know, I have it on my deal. I saw that. I'm, you almost got to it. I, I was like, got oh, to it. I love it. I, I actually never turned it on. Oh, wow. So I don't know anything about it. I know that it takes place in the world of Final Fantasy Tactics. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. And it's an action game. Yeah, that's pretty much all I know, too. Um, now... This uh, giving you recommendations truly feels like giving the librarian book recommendations, because <laughs> uh, not only if you probably you're gonna know more games than me, but specifically in the genre you will. So I've got two that are actually a little more wild than just oh, the great, one. Great, great, great. And these are like the opposites. Uh, these are more. These are more weird. This is weird. Okay. Good. The first one. Um, is, you know what? I wanted to really honor the roots of this game. Uh, as we said earlier, this game and Cloud was really close. First off, this game was originally going to be a detective Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And originally Cloud's char- the main character, not Cloud, was named Detective Joe. So I'm going to go ahead and recommend to you L.A. Noir. Okay, I like that. I thought you were gonna say Beautiful Joe. Beautiful Joe. Oh, that would have been that would have been good. A lot of Joes. A lot of Joes. I I've, like. I've never played L.A. Noir. I've always been interested in it. It's decent. I got it on the Switch yeah. the year it came out. It's fine. I didn't play through. I played through like half of it. Is it um L.A. Like, is it like? Can you drive around and like find like areas and neighborhoods? Is it like laid out sort of like how old L.A. Definitely. Was? It's kind of like cool. the new, G- the most recent GTA. How it kind of resembles Los Angeles, where like some areas feel very specific and like, uh-huh. but also some areas feel very generic. Also, it's from decades ago, so it's probably changed. But I definitely like just drove up and down the streets, being like, "This is downtown, and this is Silver Lake and Echo Park." Awesome, yeah, awesome. Uh, the last recommendation I have for you is this is my most out of left field recommendation. Uh, um, if you just like looked at the cover art of this game or <laughs> people's like flash memories of this game, they're thinking of Cloud Strife, right? Our main character, right. our protagonist, our hero, uh, with his, with his beautiful blonde hair. So I wanted to honor that. What's another game out there with a protagonist that? that is just our hero throughout the whole game that is taking us through a big adventure, a big journey, and also has blonde hair. And that game is Super Princess Peach for the Nintendo (laughs) DS in 2005. What if I would have said that's the first one you would have had to play that game? Well, you you know, a little secret about me. I get high in bed and play that game. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why it was on my cusp of my brain is because you've mentioned it. I give high in bed and I play Super Princess Peach. I, see, I always Very confuse. good game. It is. Very I confuse good game. Have you played com- it? No, I'm just going to say it is good. <laughs> it's, it, it is really good. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I can sometimes, I think, confuse our conversations for my actual thoughts. <laughs> um, well, Super Princess Peach is fun as fuck. It's a great DS game that I think a lot of people missed. But well, yeah. Awesome. Well, perfect then. Yeah. Um, that was it for the game recommendations. Before we get into plugs and stuff, uh, 
Thanks again, dude. This is yeah. a long time dude, coming. Thank you so much for having I'm me. I'm surprised on the show. it only took us 18 or whatever so episodes to get to you being on yeah. the show. Uh, but thank you again. Thank you for producing and engineering the show. It means oh, a lot. Yes. Um, this was such a fun episode, too. Before we go, a plug away. What do you want to share? Where can we find you? I mean, you can find me at Ocarina of Crime on Twitter. Um, it's the same plugs that you. So great. You know, by the way, I don't tell Connor to plug <laughs> my show or my Twitter or anything. And he just does it. It's always in my show notes. And I always, every time the guest looks right at me when that's happening. <laughs> I've never realized and that. And <laughs> I have to make a face that looks like You're I'm, so, I'm very humble or something that he's doing it. I think I know that face. Yeah. It, 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 it looks like this. Yes. <laughs> like this old dog. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, you can follow me on, on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. You can also um, listen to my show. I promise it's very fun and very funny. It. It's called Video Games, a comedy show. And I have Connor on quite a bit. And I have uh, most of the guests that have been on this show are, are, are um, mainstays on my show. And it's fun. We talk about stupid stuff. Uh, the One of the last episodes I had you on was just hot gamer takes, oh. which is an excuse for us to write video game related jokes and then play a Beastie Boys drop after every single one, which I've now implemented into my actual show where af- at Plugs, yes, we I do noticed. do hot gamer takes. I love now. that. Shout out to Nick Limone, our buddy. Nick Limone, great guest on both oh. shows. I wish, I just kind of wish he was, you know, I wish he was my roommate. He would probably be an excellent roommate. I wish he just live with me and we just Super, talk all the time. He'd be like fun to be around, but also a, just a good solid roommate. I feel like I feel like that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. Um, if you uh would like to find me, learn a little bit a bit more about me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Connor underscore McCabe. If you like improv comedy and you're ever in the LA area or you live here, check me out at the UCB Theater with the Herald Team Jet Set. Um, if you would like to email the show, you can hit us up at Call me by your game podcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at callmebyyourgame.com to check out our video portions, which we'll have a companion for this episode and also the actual podcast. And if you like the show, you want to support us and help out, super helpful uh, thing you can do is give us a review and a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. That really helps our visibility. Let us know something you're liking about the show. Share us. Uh, this is unrelated to the review. Share us with people who might like it. Um, that would be super helpful. We want more people listening to the show. Uh, and for those of you out there uh, listening, which are the only people hearing me talk right now, <laughs> thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah.